us and strengthen. I thought this would be appropriate for tonight. Uh, looking at it, I went to get me a biscuit this morning, and and uh, I walked into the place over there, and uh, a fellow said to me, he said, uh, "Now, what are you going to do today?" The way the things has changed with the election, I said, "Same thing I done yesterday. Serve God." Amen. I said, God's still on the throne. And I, I said, uh, Amen. I said, I ain't heard the lady sing yet. <laughs> amen. So I still trust God and look at everything. If it don't work, it don't work. But I'm going to give you something here tonight. I, uh, I'm not distraught. Amen. In the book of Daniel... I want us to look at this tonight. I pray that the Lord might help us. Let's stand and let's read together Daniel chapter 1. Daniel's a great book, a tremendous book. It's a historic book. It's a practical book. And it's a prophetic book. You want to hear history? You find it out of the, you can find the history of the people of God. Practical and give you some things to help you. And that's what we're going to look at it tonight in that respect. And prophetic can tell you about what's going to happen down the road. The Bible said in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it, took it over. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And king and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of, of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that he, at the end thereof they might stand before the king. You can be seated and let's pray. Father, give us wisdom tonight. I pray you'd touch our heart and our life. I pray tonight, God, you'll illuminate our mind. Lord, I pray tonight, lighten it up and revelate our heart till we might speak as we wish we had. We stand at the judgment bar. I pray tonight, God, we'll get something from the Word of God that will help us and strengthen us. Lord, may we not ramble or rumble around, but God, tonight, may we be to the point. May we get something unseasoned with the Holy Ghost of God that will find a place in our heart. That will not only work in our heart, but down through our body and in our feet and hands and, and uh, Lord, members of our body. They might walk as you'd have us to walk, do as you'd have us to do. We'll give you the praise and the glory, for it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want us to look at this tonight as we look at this. One thing Daniel does, and here are several things that we'll do for you if you study the book of Daniel. Daniel teaches us. How to live godly in an ungodly age or an ungodly day. And certainly tonight we need that. 
We need to know how to live godly. That's all I expect, you that, and that's all that God requires of us. I want to say up front tonight that it's always right to do right. And it's always wrong to do wrong. So we need to get our priorities set and, uh, and settled tonight for the glory of God. Not only does it teach us to live godly in an ungodly hour, but the book of Daniel will help us to trust in an unholy environment. Trust God in an unholy environment. If you're not careful, you're going to look at the wrong direction, the wrong direction to the wrong thing and put your trust where your trust won't be no good. And so you trust God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. The first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and body. And then, uh, you know, love your neighbors yourself. Also, the book of Daniel teaches us to stand for God when all others around us don't stand. It might be a lonely journey for some tonight and has been for me down through the years uh, and I come to the place in life that I thought nobody else is standing with me. And sometimes you get that way. But God will always stand with you. That's one thing you can always count on. Daniel teaches us to stand when everybody, your neighbors, is not standing anymore. When uh, those you go to church with don't stand anymore. Those that you have friends on the job with don't stand anymore. God wants us to have some high standards. God wants us to believe in Him with all our heart. And trust Him in the book of Daniel teaches us that. Now starting in verse number 1, it said, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it, took it over. He stepped in on it. Now, they're going to Babylon in Babylonian captivity. You got to picture this tonight, and I look at it from a different standpoint than I have before in different manners. Daniel now and these three Hebrew children are at a place in their life that they've never been. They're facing something they've never faced. They're having to contend with something they've never contended with. Their lifestyle has just been changed. It's just been disrupted. Their world has become upside down. Some tonight may feel that way about uh, your own life. But I want you to know about this as I look at it. There's a couple of reasons why they were in Babylon. It was not the will of God, the perfect, at least the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God would have kept them out of Babylon. But they missed the mark and they were not in the perfect will of God. So therefore they had to go to Babylon. You follow me tonight? Stay with me. And so what we see tonight is this. That Babylon, when they got in Babylon, Babylon had a reason for them being there. And that was number one, they had departed. They had departed from the word of God. Israel, Jerusalem, the holy people of God had walked away from the Word of God. The Word of God had no more power on them. The Word of God had no more dominion on them. They had walked away from that. They had forsaken the Word of God. The Word of God did not get in their life. The Word of God did not uh, you know, motivate them. 
They weren't living by the word of God. They were living by their own standards, doing what they wanted to do. And so therefore, God put them in captivity. He produced a Babylon for them. The second thing is, not only did uh, they depart from the word of God before they got to Babylon, and the reason they got to Babylon, but tonight they departed from the worship of God. They quit worshiping God like they ought to worship Him. And uh, they had changed their worship and decided to do... Have, have you thought about it tonight? Just think about right now, in America we have forsaken the Word of God. Just like they did in captivity. I mean those when they went to the captivity. Secondly, they changed the worship. For years now we've been trying to change around the system. I like the old-fashioned way of worship. I'm an old-fashioned a Baptist preacher. I don't like this new contemporary stuff. I listened to the radio uh, going up the road this morning. They talked about over here in town, the Methodist church, uh, that they have a, uh, you know, a, a, a regular service and then they have a contemporary service and then they have a, 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 a like a outside service in the afternoon. And that appeals, appeals to the flesh and people love that. But I like to go to the house of God and get my mind centered on the Lord Jesus. Preach the Word of God and get the Holy Spirit to work in my heart and life and begin to worship Him and exalt Him. I didn't come here to be seen or to be heard tonight. I came here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we come to the house of God, we need to get our worship right. Now that's the reason that they ended up in Babylon. There's some things that Babylon wanted to do to them. And Babylon did do to them. Number one, Babylon changed their name. We'll talk about that in a minute. Babylon not only changed their name, but Babylon changed their diet. Or tried to change their diet. Babylon tried to uh, change uh, their dress and their doctrine. Tried to change their culture. Tried to change their habits. Tried to change their worship to a different way of worship. And tried to change their music even. Amen. You'll study that through the entire book of Daniel. We won't have time to get into all that. But we want to go back here just a minute and look at something. I want us to look down at this man Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was a wicked or an evil king. Matter of fact, if you go into the book of Jeremiah... You'll find out that Nebuchadnezzar had some dealings with him and he's the one that helped him get into the position of where he was in Judah. And uh, so he was in, in a, a cohorts with him. If you'll study this tonight, you'll find out uh, that he did what was wrong and not what, which is right according to God. And uh, you'll find that out. And also, God had promised Israel this in the book of Jeremiah. Right now, I can't remember the chapter, the verses, but I can find it for you if you need it. And that is in Jeremiah. God said, Jeremiah, I'm going to put them in Babylon. I'm going to put you in Babylon. The people of God are going to Babylon. And uh, they're going to get the, the vessels of God out of the house of God. And they're going to take them to Babylon. And they're going to be spared in Babylon. And I'll leave, leave them there to the appropriate time. And that's exactly what God did. Now they used them in Babylon. Put them in the, in the, the worships of their gods. But notice something when we get down to verse number 4. The Bible said here tonight 
Children in whom was no blemish. That's who they were looking for. That's what the, when the, when the uh, prince of the eunuchs came out there, the master of the eunuchs come out there, he wanted to get some of the king and spoke, spoke to him and told him what to do. I want you to get children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. You see what the devil wants to do with every one of us church folks and uh, people of God tonight. He wants to teach us the ways of the world. He took those uh, eunuchs and, and uh, Daniel and those three Hebrew boys and he said, I want, I want to get them there and we're going to teach them the language. We're going to teach them the ways and the cultures of the people of Babylon. And the devil wants us to come to that way. Amen. The uh, devil wanted them to think like the uh, Chaldeans. He wanted them to act like the Chaldeans. He wanted them to worship like the Chaldeans. And he wanted them to live like the Chaldeans. And the devil wants us to do the very same thing tonight. And I want to tell you in this hour of what I call a perverse generation, a perverse time, an ungodly time, an unholy time, an evil time tonight. And if you think it's it's not, then you need to go back and read your Bible. And you need to confess up things before God because you're a backslid or not lost one. We're in a wicked time. Amen. I heard on the news today that some girl went to school today with a mask on and it said, Jesus loves me. And uh, they sent her home. Amen. They could have put Black Lives Matter on it and I guess it would have been all right. Are you with me? But I'm here tonight to tell you that the devil wants to make havoc of us. Now here's what happened. In verse number 6, I didn't read it here a while ago, but I'll read it now. In verse 5, they've been commanded to give them the daily provision of the king's meat. They're to eat what the king has. And then I'm sure the king had the best. He didn't eat beans and taters. He had the best. And then it said, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So he said, we're going to give them that for three years and then check them out and see if they look any better. And we're going to bring them out, uh, you know, to look over. In verse 6 said, now among these were of the children of Judah. Now that wasn't all of them, but these four he's mentioned. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say something to you tonight. You need to learn them names. You need to learn them names. Every time you've ever talked about these boys, you call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is that what you do? Amen. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I heard that in a Sunday school class when I was a boy. You're calling by the worldly name. You call them by the devil's name. What what the devil named them with? Or Nebuchadnezzar. You need to remember them tonight as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
Look at verse number 7. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. When they took them in to their provision to do for them and care for them, guess what happened? They changed their names. I want to remind you that when God saved Saul, he changed his name to Paul. God changed the name of Abram to Abraham. And you can find scriptures throughout the Bible that God changed their names as a type of a new name that God's given as a type of a new birth. But the world does the same thing tonight. And they did it here. They called them something else. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. Now you call him Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but you always call Daniel, Daniel. And we give him good service and call him Daniel, and that's his, that's his biblical name. But Belteshazzar, they changed his name to Belteshazzar. The, the name Daniel means God is my judge. He had a name. Names mean something. Amen. These ladies will name children according to and they'll say it means this and means that and so forth. And I don't know where it does or not, and I don't keep up all that. That's not my expertise, and that's not my uh, area of, of thinking. Women will, amen, women will, when they're going to expect a baby, they'll look in all kinds of books and hunt names and all that stuff. And they'll look at all them names and they'll hunt them and hunt them and hunt them. And like, amen, that's all right uh, for that. But as far as a man's concerned, he'll name him Tom, John, uh, Joe, and, uh, amen. Don't make no difference. Ain't that right? Men just don't seem to pay no attention to that. But Daniel was named Daniel, which means God is my judge. Changed his name to Belteshazzar, which means Baal's prince. B-E-L apostrophe S. Baal's prince. Baal was a god. Not the god, but a god of the heathen. And he changed his name to Baal's Prince. You see what the devil tries to do to us tonight? But look at what he says. He says, and to Hananiah of Shadrach. Changed Hananiah's name to Shadrach. Hananiah means whom the Lord hath favored. And then... uh, we find Shadrach means inspired of the illumined, uh, inspired or illumined by the sun god. Trying to make them identify to it. Then it said, Mishael of Meshach. And so you see, Meshach, uh, uh, Mishael means who is comparable to God. Who is comparable to God. Changed his name to Meshach, which means who is uh, comparable to Shaq, which is another Babylonian goddess. And then uh, change Azariah to Abednego. Azariah means whom the Lord helps. Change his name to Abednego, which means servant of the shining fire 
in reference to the, to the fire God. You see what I'm saying? Don't learn them names uh, like that or say them names like that no more. Amen. And you're going to catch yourself to thinking of that every time uh, you hear somebody say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And sometimes you'll continue to do it and you'll think about that. Because you say, I can't remember what they were. But make it a point to put it in your mind. So I'm saying to you tonight. They put them there and these fellas had never been in a place of Babylonian captivity. And so the, the prince of the eunuchs was commanded to feed them. And verse 8 said, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now we've got a nation tonight is going in the wrong direction and been going in the wrong direction for many years now. It's getting worse. And I'd like to tell you tonight it's going to get better, but I can't because the Word of God said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I'd like to tell you tonight that we're going to have a utopia here in just a little short while. Because it's going to get better and better. And it's going to be perfect peace. And there will not be no peace upon this earth till the Prince of Peace himself comes. I'd like to tell you that, but I can't. So what we can do, we, we're like these little boys slept in a Babylonian captivity. This is a, listen, I'm living in a different world than I used to live in. Twenty years ago, it's different now than it was then. It's not got better in my lifetime. It's got worse and it's going to continue that way. But he says here that Daniel purposed in his heart. Purposed in That means he made up his mind. He stood straight and tall and said, I am not going to do it. I refuse. Now we need some people in this modern day that will refuse to do what the world wants us to do. Amen. And he said, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Amen. Uh, with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, notice this, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Amen. He re requested the prince of the eunuchs, but notice this. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Daniel, you're asking me something to do that I... Feel like it's a dangerous thing. You're placing my head on the chop block. Because if I don't give you this. And you don't come out well on it. My job and my life is at stake. And the prince of the eunuchs. Well let's go, go see what verse 11 said. Then Daniel said to Melzar. He quit talking to the prince of the eunuchs. Amen. You'll find over here in the 
first part of the chapter, this Aspenaz is the prince of the eunuchs. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he said, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, or beg thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse is vegetables. Made a vegetarian out of them. Amen. Now we could got it, kind of get into that all and we sure stir up a whole lot of stuff there. And I don't want to do that tonight. Amen. Uh, and we're not going to, uh, you know, somebody said, I ain't no vegetarian. I like meat. Well, amen. Bless it and eat it. Amen. But I ain't going to fuss at you if you eat eating grass every day, too. Amen. You don't want nothing but vegetables. And you said, I'm a vegetarian. Amen. I just eat. And I bless it. And God said that in the New Testament. You could do that. And we won't get into that tonight. That's a, that's a, we'll be sidetracked and stay there and get in trouble. Right, the Bible says in verse number 12, prove thy servants. Put us on pulse. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And do it for ten days. Ten's a testing. Did you know that? Number ten's testing. I could preach on ten for a while. But we won't do that tonight either. Verse 13 said, Then let our countenances, countenances is your facial expression, how you look in the face. Be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servant. We'll just give you ten days. Now they're going to put them on a three-year trial. And Daniel said, just put us on a ten-day trial. And after ten days, you know, you can find out. Then the Bible goes on to say, down there in verse 14, So he consented to them, in this matter, and prove them ten days. And to end the ten days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion the king's meat. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and give them pulse. Now what I'm trying to say is tonight we're in a wicked time, we're in a wicked situation, we're in a wicked day, we're in a wicked hour. It's an ungodly, unholy time. You said, what should we do? The same thing Daniel did, purpose in our heart, that we're not going to be defiled by the world, nor the things in the world. We're going to set ourselves straight, and we're going to pick up this book, and this is going to be our textbook, but it's going to be our manual. We're not just going to read it. We're going to apply it. We're not just going to put it on the coffee table to gather dust. We're going to saturate it in our heart and hide His Word in our heart that we might not sin against God. I refuse. I refuse to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. That's what Daniel said. 
As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Now I don't know where, I don't know where Melzar ever told Ashpenaz or not that he had took away the king's meat and the king's wine. But Ashpenaz had the privilege of taking them in and it, it may clarify so I didn't try to dig that out to see, but it said, and the king communed with them and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even under the first year of King Cyrus. I'm going to give you some things right here, and you just put this in your pipe and smoke it. Try to digest what I mean. Uh, as, as a, I like to use this illustration. A cow's got two stomachs. This don't sound too good now. She's got two stomachs. They get out there and chew and chew and pick at grass, and after a while that old cow lay down. You know about that, don't you, Miss June? It'll lay down under an old tree out there. Mm. Their mouths are moving just constantly. They, they, they got to be Baptist mouth are moving that way. They're rolling that. What they do is burping that back up and they chew what they call chew the cud. Amen. So I think tonight you need to take what I'm fixing to say home and burp it up a time or two tonight. Chew it and swallow it back. Burp it again and after it's burped a time or two, it don't taste as good as it did before. But I'll tell you one thing. It might stick with you. I'm looking at the way the nation is. I'm looking at the situation of our... I don't know if the president we got right now is going to remain the president. If the opponent wins one more state, he's in. He just likes six electoral votes. And if Mr. Trump wins, he's got to win the rest of them to get in. So it looks mighty gloomy unless... They find some loopholes somewhere. And so I'm just looking at this and somebody asked me. I was talking to somebody on the phone this afternoon. They said, reckon why that's happening. I thought sure God was going to smile on us, God's people. And he may. Amen. He may be just trying your patience. (laughs) And then again. I read the first chapter, Romans. And I read and I read this, I think I've mentioned this Sunday. I don't wear Sunday school, Sunday night or something, but sometime or another I was in Romans chapter 1. I remember that. And I read in the Word of God where that God gave them up to uncleanness. 
through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God just give them up. Now that's bad when God gives you up. You know what it means when a woman gives up her son or daughter? It's a baby. She abandons it. Then it said in verse 26, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. In other words, you've been wanting your wickedness, and now I'm going to let you have your wickedness. Just live it up. And then it come on down and said the third thing, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. I cannot understand a nation tonight. Let me tell you something. I'm not based what I have on the president. God's still God in every circumstance and every situation. And God will be God tomorrow. He was God yesterday. He'll be God next year. God don't change. Man changes. But I've watched people get away from God so far. And God has given us a little time. He's given us a little time to get this thing turned in the right direction. And we blowed it. Now when I say we, I'm talking about a nation. We blowed it. Nobody in this building can say you've done everything you could to keep the principles of the Word of God. You've done a little. You helped it to some degree. But all of us could have done more. And I got to thinking, Billy Sunday come through. And he preached and he preached and busted chairs over the pulpit. Strong preacher. Preached against taking in liquor and alcohol in the body. Worked hard in America to try to keep people uh, from intoxicating themselves. And giving themselves over to strong drink. Because he saw the awfulness and the sin of it. But he's long gone. And now we bathe ourselves in alcohol. You can't go nowhere without what it has an effect and you see it. You can't buy or purchase anything anymore without you being around it. You understand where I'm going and what I'm saying? Young preachers and older preachers back in days past, before my time, they they bounced on that, they preached it back in the early part of the 1900s, the middle part of the 1900s. That was their main goal, preaching against that. More preaching against that than anything else. Then they come along, preached against fornication and adultery, and tried to get all the principles of that established and America hardened their heart and stiffened their neck. Do you notice the difference tonight? God said that they hardened their heart. In the Word of God said they stiffened their neck. It's one thing to have a hard heart. And it's another thing to have a stiff neck. 
When you harden your heart, you're against God and you don't want to listen to God. But when you stiff your neck, you know what you're, you're, you're saying? I don't want to be moved. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be in trouble with this. Preachers preached up and down the country about sins of fornication and adultery. Then our school system come along and throwed God out. Throwed the Bible out and throwed prayer out. Put the condoms in. Sex education. And that went wild. Started smoking dope and shooting dope and taking dope. Now we come to the place... I remember, boy, if you had a, I remember when I was going to school, we didn't have trouble like they have today because there's about the worst thing you get then is drink a little, and that's bad. I didn't ever drink. I had to thank God for it. God kept me from it. My daddy said, I ever catch you a drinking son, I'm gonna, uh, you're gonna wish you was dead. Even though I seen him drunk before he got saved. And I'd seen what it did to my daddy. Never tasted alcoholic beverage in all my life except in medicines. You you wants to give me a 10% alcohol medicine tonight, I'd be as wild as a buck. NyQuil. I I took that one time and sat up in the middle of the night in the bed like an Indian. And my wife said, what's wrong? And I said, nothing. She said, lay down. I said, I ain't laying down till I get a notion. She said, lay down. I said, I ain't laying down, woman. You ain't telling me. Listen, I wasn't ever that mean, but I got mean that night. Boy, I know what it would do to me if I... Amen. But they decided that about the only two things that back when I was going to school was drinking and uh, smoking cigarettes. Two worst things that was going on in that day. And then they started lighting up weed, they called it. Amen. The hippies got the joints out and got the smoking joints, weed. Amen. Acting funny. Went past that. Amen. Everybody said you shouldn't, you, you, you shouldn't do it. They said, hey, you don't drive and drink, we'll put you in jail. Now they, I ain't gonna tell you how many is a, you'll pass tonight's already on alcohol, dope. And then they said it's against the law. And now we just, in this last election, I heard where some of the states have legalized marijuana. And it's been going on for some time. And now you can get this, I, I don't, I reckon, I, I don't, it must be joy juice or something. May, they sell it now, what, that BD stuff, all that stuff. Don't that come from it? It's part of it, ain't it? Huh? CBD oil. I don't have, and uh, guess what? We snuffed it up in her nose and her mouth and uh, smoked it. 
throwed our head high with a hard heart and a stiff neck and said, we don't care. Legalize it. And when I was a boy, every once in a while you see another little fella walking around, he's kind of this way. You know, you see him walking go. And my daddy said, you watch them kind and stay away from them. I didn't know what he was talking about at that time, but I found out. And they come out of the closet. Now it's legal for all that. America says it's all right. Amen. They've already tried to cover up. 1973, they said it's all right to have an abortion. To cover up and hide their fornication and adultery. And now, boy, I'll tell you right now, you can get in an argument real quick. You start standing against abortion. And brother, I want to tell you something. You've got people in your own family, every one of us have. You've got people in your own family that will uh, chew your head off. I think the woman ought to have a right. She owns her own body. She ought to have a right to her own body. Listen, let God in heaven do the work. I'm not for abortion in any shape, form, fashion. Her shape, amen. And any nurse and doctor does it's her murderers. And we've got the murderers uh, generation tonight, and they'll pass that thing and say tonight, abortion is all right. It may be all right to people, but it's not all right to this. You know what we've done? We said, we don't care what God says. We've got our own standard. Now they come out and say, well, it's all right for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. I was in South Carolina. I pastored a church in Doraville, Georgia. I'd give that church up and went to South Carolina. Been there a little while. One of the men of the church where I'd pastored in Doraville called me up one night. And he said, Preacher. And he said, uh, How you doing? I said, Fine. He said, Now he had one, two, three, I believe four kids. I'm not sure. Do you remember? Four kids, I think. Him and his wife had four children. He called me up and he said, uh, Avis, that's her name, Avis, that's his wife's name. Abby's left me. I said, Brother Alton, she left you? I said, for somebody else? He said, yeah. He said, the bad part is, is a woman. She left me for a woman. Amen. I've seen that over and over and over. It's an accepted thing. 
Matter of fact, isn't it not, ain't it what the world calls right now in America calls it, this county calls it, an alternate lifestyle. Would you get your Bible and flip through me there and show me in the Scriptures what an alternate lifestyle is? And if you find it, I'll start preaching. If it's out of the King James Bible. But it's not there. So what's happened? God said you want abortion. You want fornication. You want alcohol. You want dope and drugs and homosexuality. God said you can have it. God turned them over to reprobate mind. I just trust tonight that God ain't turned us over to a reprobate nation. I've often wondered where America fits in the last days. Now, I know what I'm preaching is not popular. And I know some of you may not even agree with me on that, and it don't make no difference. I didn't come here to try to please you. But I've looked in the book of Revelation. I've tried to see where America fits in. I've read the whole 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. And I've looked through there. And I'm saying, where do you find America hepping out in Israel? And I just can't find it. If God has and will, if He hadn't, He may do it in the future. Turn this nation over to a reprobate nation and say, you just go ahead and do what you... You know what? That will be, be our demise. A nation has not survived doing the things that we're doing in America. Amen. Name me a nation tonight that can, continues to go on. They all have trouble. Britain and all those... Listen, what they do? Did you know over there in England? Men used to stand out and preach. Spurgeon. Some of those great men. What's his... Uh, what's, I'm trying to think of the... George Whitfield. Some call him Whitefield. Would stand and preach and preach and people get saved. You can't find that over there no more. God's turned them over. Now, I'm more concerned about that tonight than I am who's going to win to be president. Now, God will bless those who bless the Word of God and use it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do like Daniel. I purpose in my heart to stay separate. And I don't care if they laugh at me, make fun of me, and slap me, and spit on me. I'm going to try my best to stay with this book till I draw my last breath. I thank God I got, I got, I'm headed toward the end of it. Hallelujah. I'll have to be 90. That ain't long. Amen. When I was 20, I thought, well, if I live to be 90, that's ages. I woke up one morning and found out I was closer to it than I'd ever thought. Went to bed one night and years. Woke up the next morning a new generation. 
I'm waiting till I wake up one more time in glory. Hallelujah. Amen. But I'm going to stay with this. I hope this has helped you tonight to think about where we are standing in America. Tried to find something to kind of help us. And I said, Lord, help me tonight. I want to challenge these people and help them. And I pray that you draw for this tonight. Now you go home and learn them three Hebrew children's names. God bless you. Heads bowed and eyes closed.